0: Warning. The following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier than thou know it alls that are anything but.
1: Hey, and welcome to episode 88 of Anime World Order. It has been a really long time since our last recording. What, two months now? Sounds about right. Our excuse is that it was con season, and so we had to wait for con season to be over before we could do any more, but con season actually still is going. It seems to be getting longer and longer every year. I am Gerald Rathgold.
0: I'm Daryl Surratt.
2: And I'm Clarissa.
1: And we have a lot more panels to do, so uh, we're gonna get right to it with this episode. We're just going to try to do a little bit uh, shorter episode this time and try to get some things out a little bit more rapidly, considering that all the stuff that has happened since the last time we recorded and what we could talk about, such as Anime Week in Atlanta that happened two weeks ago or something. But we won't do that, because that would make this episode very long. Check out the website at uh, www.animeworldorder.com. Email us at animeworldorder at gmail.com. Come. We've got a letter here from uh, Jared. The title of it is Battle, Athletes, Victory, and Other Things. And he writes, Hello, AWO. First off, I want to thank you all for having just enough drive to do the podcast. Just enough, maybe. Enough to do it two months apart? Over the years that I've been listening to you all, I've been introduced to too many anime series to name that I would have never checked out at my own volition. To name a small handful, Giant Robo the Animation, Riding Bean, Phoenix, violence hero Rikio, Crying Freeman. Did we recommend Crying Freeman? I did. Oh, I guess the manga we did. Rosa Versailles and Empty Geist, which is hilariously awesome. One of the other shows that I checked out per your, well, specifically Gerald's recommendation was Battle Athletes Victory, as the show was just given a recommendation in passing and not a full review. I was curious why Gerald approved of it. Less than a minute into the first episode, I had a good idea why he liked it so much. It wasn't until episode 11 that I got the full picture. It isn't because the show has women in it, or that the women are all athletes competing in the most ridiculous beauty pageant ever, but that these female athletes all happen to be lesbians, whether or not they want to admit it. Yeah, okay. he's got you, Dad, to rights. Yep.
2: <laughs> Congratulations.
1: They're not all lesbians. Only one is partially a lesbian. Maybe.
0: It's just like Dojinchi. You have to extrapolate the rest. That way you feel like, you know, it's forbidden fruit territory.
1: <laughs> okay, I guess it's also because of the gripping characters, the entertaining humor, the crazy sports events that pop up all over the place, and the amazing Gripping and popping
0: up, that sounds about right.
1: From start to finish. But I know that the blatant lesbianism is the real reason he approves of the show. Anyway, I want to relate an argument that I had with a friend of mine a few months back. I'll try to spare you all the nitty-gritty details, but the heart of the argument was around what is called the Gundam Complex. To quote my friend, Gundam Complex is when a driving point in the narrative is the introduction of new and better technology, usually as a counter to technology already introduced or present, though not necessarily through the presence of said Gundam Complex. This quote also sums up my friend's entire argument in a nutshell. My argument was that this Gundam Complex could be seen in numerous sci-fi series made both before and after the initial release of Mobile Suit Gundam, such as Space Battleship Yamato, Massinger Z, Space Runaway Ideon, and Super Dimensional Fortress Macross, to name a few. And that, referring to this phenomenon as Gundam Complex, does a disservice to these shows and many, many others.
0: We prefer the term mid-season upgrade. Thank you. I argued...
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that Gundam Complex is really just a tech-based version of the classic in power creep instead of being something special. The argument as a whole kind of got stalled by midterms around that point, and we never picked it back up after we were done with exams until recently when it came back up in casual conversation. Anyway, I was hoping that you would all be willing to take a shot at this. I know it's a stupid and nerdy thing to talk about or ask someone else to argue about, but damn it, this is the kind of thing that makes having an extended community of hardcore fans interesting and useful these days. Hope to see you guys out on the West Coast at some point in the future. Sincerely, Jared.
0: If someone flies us out to the West Coast, you'll be seeing us, but until then, tickets from Florida to the West Coast are like $300 and change. 400 bucks, yeah. Yeah, but I think basically what he's talking about is like the old days where anime was sponsored by toy companies, Mm. and they would need to sell merchandise, and then they would need to sell more merchandise. And so they would introduce new elements, new figures, new robots, and so on and so forth, with the idea that people don't generally buy villain merchandise. Right. They want to get the hero.
1: Little kids, usually. Yeah,
0: li- little kids. Back when they were like the main targets for robot shows, as opposed to now where the main target is people my age. So that was why the hero characters would have to get a whole new machine gundam it's like oh now you have the mark ii now you have the zeta gundam 26 some episodes in or whatever Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth and it has to be even cooler than the previous one otherwise the kids who have the previous one will be like oh i've already got this one uh why should i get whatever
2: the same thing happens in magical girl shows um, yeah because again they can sell the plastic toys so, you get like the new transformation locket or other accessory, or you get some new The new sidekick or that something.
1: sells plushies or whatever.
2: Yeah, so. exactly. So, you know, they can just keep cranking out cheap plastic things for kids to buy.
0: Case of the Mazinger Z, it got like uh, the God Scrander or whatever, like the, a wing accessory mm-hmm. jetpack sort of right. thing. There are, like, one or two bad guy from Mazinger Z that you can get because they're, like, the first bad guys that attack. And they keep, like, whenever they remake Mazinger, like, they're about to do it again. You know, those first couple of guys are usually always in there. Mm -hmm. In Tetrigan 28, you can buy a toy of, like, Black Ox. As far as villains that you can buy... Until like Mobile Suit Gundam with like the Zaku's and you know Shaw being popular and stuff like that, it's not like you can go and get like every single Voltus Five <laughs> enemy <laughs> yeah. that was just there and blown up summarily I mean, and honestly,
2: never seen again. Honestly, most of them looked pretty shitty, so you probably wouldn't even want to buy toys of them.
1: <laughs> that is really true, especially for like Combat LV and such. But <laughs> I think course, it was really I... it was really Gundam. I think that that changed that. Not yeah. not so much Gundam, but maybe um.
0: I think that's I mean, why he's Voltus, calling
1: it gundam complex volta's five really changed that in that people would buy the villain stuff but
2: right but again um, it was you know, really only the least. main one or two like Gundam's yeah. the first one i can think of that like every Xeon mobile suit you could buy
0: i guess that's why he calls it the gundam complex i mean i remember tim eldred had pointed out in the ann cast about this terrible show gundam Seed destiny that i reviewed way back when a character who has the voice of you know, Shah novel in that show, who, surprise, surprise, is the bad guy, points at one of the newly developed mobile suits in the series and says, like, this is what drives the economy here and, like, <laughs> why we go to war and all this is to, you know, allow for the creation of these new... It's, like, so transparent. And I know Tim thought, like, Tamino must have snuck that in there himself, but I can assure you Tamino had nothing to do with Gundam Seed Destiny. But that's why he calls it the Gundam Complex. It's just the notion of introducing new and newer units on a, a steady basis. Gundam just happens to be, like, the holdout from that era. It's still going mm-hmm. from the 70s. There aren't very many other things. I mean, Macross Frontier was one show, and there were sort of, like, mid-season upgrades not, in that, but they weren't really though. substantial. Yeah. You not, know, you, not, it's like... not a
1: lot. And I think that Yamato might almost be an exception in that I guess you had the battleship and you had some of the planes and stuff. Yeah, such, you
0: had but... some of the Cosmo Tigers and those would get upgraded and stuff, but like by and large you had your Yamato, you had your Yamato, and maybe yeah. like for the new movie it'd be like see Yamato's new version of the wave motion gun mm-hmm. or whatever, but it didn't really affect the toy.
1: Yeah. They did a lot of merchandising for that, but it was mostly <laughs> Music. The tricycles. Oh yeah. The... <laughs>
0: The welded into the ground Yamato bicycle that Dave Merrill found, because <laughs> someone would just climb on it and pedal away off to Iskandar if it hadn't been welded down. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah, I think the Gundam complex, as he's calling it, I mean I call it mid season upgrades because it applies across the board and sort of started before Gundam did. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's just. The direct result of having shows being sponsored by toy manufacturers. And now that toy manufacturers don't primarily sponsor TV shows, you don't really see that quite so much, except for all the people who grew up watching these shows where that was like the norm. Then they're like, Oh, well, now I'm making anime. Now I'm going to put that in
2: right. just
1: because at well, this point.
2: I would say that it's died down somewhat in anime, but it seems to be pretty alive and well in tokusatsu.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a, Very young audience or very strange audience (laughs) for older men, um, (laughs) as we know.
2: But yeah, I think it is pretty similar. Also, like I think it's a valid comparison to uh, hold it up next to the shonen power creep, because it's kind of a similar thing. Where all right, this is getting a little stale, or well, we've introduced a new villain, so now we need to introduce some new super attack that the hero uses. It's not quite as driven, I think, by toy sales, although they mm. certainly can, you know, add that into video games. And
1: uh, You're hitting the nail on the head there, Clarissa, in that I'm pretty sure since, like, 1994 or 3 or so, some of the biggest sponsors of these shows are now video game companies. Nintendo, right. Sony, Sega. Well, because that's what kids so
2: are spending most of their money on instead of plastic toys.
1: I think one of the good examples is Dragon Ball Z. Towards the end of Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball GT, especially, they had to have more characters so they could introduce another fighting game. Mm. Every, you know, I don't know how many Dragon yeah. Ball Z fighting games came out before we even got the crazily titled ones that we get here.
2: Right. Well, and well, not just like
0: Raging Blast, blast and stuff the, uh... like that. Yeah. I think the difference between the Shonen Power Creep and the mid season upgrade is that the Shonen Power Creep is dictated by. A sort of can-you-top-this mentality combined with the desire to keep something going no matter what. Right. In the sense that, okay, they beat this bad guy, now we have to introduce a new bad guy, but it's it's got to be bigger and badder than the previous Mm -hmm. bad guy or else no one's going to care. That's kind of what drives the Shonen Power Creep along with this is popular, keep it going indefinitely. Mm -hmm. The mid-season upgrade is more specifically... The primary objective is to sell toys. In Mm -hmm. the case of the Shonen Power Creep, the primary objective is to keep your series going. And, you know, so you can sell, you know, more of everything, but keeping the series going is, you know, objective number one. So like, you know, in One Piece, you know, the reason why it's never going to end is because they've got Hiro Oda's family locked up in a, (laughs) you know, storage (laughs) container somewhere. And if he doesn't turn in a new chapter, you know, they don't give it that week's worth of oxygen to the tank.
1: <laughs> and they give him, what, two weeks every ten years off? He gets that much at least. <laughs> right, right. Even though he's probably, like, one of the richest men in Japan right now.
0: So, yeah, what's the deal with battle athletes? Like, you were saying it's not lesbians, but it's lesbians.
1: It's, it's just a really good, fun sports show. It's made more interesting by the fact that every sports event in it, they have to explain in great detail because it's something that never existed before. Like, it was invented for that show. They had Zero Gravity, LaCrosse, things like that.
0: That actually sounds like it's self-explanatory.
1: <laughs> there was more to it than that. I'm trying. Oh, okay. to, they, didn't, they didn't even call it that in the show, but I'm trying to remember back to the show. It was just a series that I liked a lot. I'd like to do a review of it at some point, like a, a full-on review, so I don't want to you know, talk about it in too much detail. I think you can still buy the discs relatively easily but it was one of the earliest dvd releases for anime that came out and the discs show it in that they had an opening at the very beginning and then they just edited all of the episodes together and then they had the ending sequence right at the end which uh, actually worked for the show because each episode kind of melded into the other really really well kind of like watching berserk where i guess after like the first episode it's just kind of like one long story i highly recommend it i liked it a whole lot I kind of hope that it gets like a, maybe a thin pack or a re a release at some point, mm. like a cheap re release that everybody can, can pick up at some point. Yeah, I don't know. More, more beyond that, I'll, I'll probably save it for an actual review at some point. And it's not just about lesbians. There's, mm-hmm. I, I don't care. The characters are pretty good. All of them. Even the h- horrifically racist one.
2: So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you're from South Africa. You love racist ones. Because it's in your South African blood. So you said that's say. not racist. That's na- hey, anti-national. Hey, I
2: know because John Oliver exposed the truth when he went to South Africa. That's the- right.
0: He found there the one go. South African. Who one was like, South
1: African racist left. He had to search hard for that fine racism.
0: The A so. team is what really tore away the, the hatred. You know, Charlotte O'Copley's birthday cake with Mr. T on it is, is the sign that, that there were no more racism in South Africa. Just AIDS.
1: Yes, lots and lots and lots of AIDS. So, yeah, anything else anybody wants to add to that?
0: Uh, No, I'm all right. I mean, I I understand there's going to be a premiere of a a Gundam 00 movie at the New York Anime Festival, which is going to be a first for Gundam in the sense that it's going to be the first Gundam series to have space invaders in it. Yeah, I um, don't
2: know how I feel about that.
0: I guess it's metaphorical for, like, terrorism and stuff, because that's supposed to be our timeline, and this but is, like... But they d-
2: they've already directly dealt with terrorism in Gundam 00.
0: Yeah, and but this Gundam is, bling, like, foreigner so. terrorism, as opposed to, like, terrorists for the good guy side. This
2: no, like, but oh, I, no. Uh,
0: Foreign invaders, literally.
2: Well, no, but I, I mean, know. Gundam 00 already talks about that. Yeah, it already like, had literally.
0: terrorism, because, you know, that was what their, their deal was. It's like, hey, we're gonna save the world by being terrorists.
2: Well, it was also like terrorism from also... other organizations and the yeah, main character is Kurdish. So there's definitely, uh...
0: I think presumably the idea of the reason all these old shows would always do aliens, whether it's like seventies Godzilla stuff or, you know, I mean, Ultraman and all that is mm-hmm. just because when aliens attack, the idea is, all right, all conflicts on earth cease and everybody rallies to right. fight the alien menace. As Whereas in traditional Gundam shows, if there's like, a terrorist group, like you know, the secret organization Oz or whatever it is, like in Gundam Wing. Mm-hmm. It's not like the entire world unifies to fight them. There's still like various other factions at play. When space aliens invade, if the Zentradi are, you know, at your front door, guess what? It's world government time or something like that. But I haven't seen this Double O movie. I have no idea what will happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess uh, we should actually just all say what we're going to review because you know this is going to be one of those cut up episodes. But I'm going to be reviewing like basically right now, the three-part 1990 OAV series, AD Police Files, the first spin-off of the original Bubblegum Crisis. Both Clarissa and
0: I forgot about what we're reviewing entirely. (laughs) So we'll just, we'll hope the audience forgot as well, that way when an episode comes out and we say we're reviewing, and then they don't have to wait for it, they just, they got it right then and there. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So, let's just dive headlong into the review. Whenever a new show or franchise comes along that's successful, even if it's just a little bit successful and it's one that I like, I kind of get worried. Because even the smallest amount of success, usually this means that whatever show it is, will oftentimes be forced to continue way the hell long after it's any good anymore.
0: As we just talked about with the Shonen Power Creep stuff.
1: Yeah, it'll get tons of spinoffs and sequels and other material, And most of it will actually be bad. I mean, when you think about it, what? The X-Files went on how many years after before it should have ended? Probably about six. Uh, I wouldn't say
2: that many, but yeah, Yeah, a good number. Maybe four. Yeah, I think three or four is probably...
1: And I mean, I'm using like some just cheesy American shows here, but if you remember Hercules back in the 90s, (laughs) that show got popular. That show went on way longer than it should have, and then it got the spin-off Xena, which... Hey, Xena
0: was good! Uh, look! I have Until no the lady who wrote fanfiction started writing Xena for real.
1: <laughs> but Xena also had two seasons of ideas, and went on for about seven, That's or something true. like that. So, I'm not bashing on Xena any more than it deserves to be. However, sometimes, if you catch these things early enough, some of those sequels and spin-offs can sometimes have some value. Yeah, usually
0: it's dependent on the people in charge of making the thing yeah. realizing they've got a hit on their hands and that they should strike while the iron is hot, which usually does not happen.
1: It's very up and down, too. Like, sometimes it's closer to when the original thing was released. One of the worst offenders in anime, I think, is uh, Tenchi Muyo. Mm-hmm. Even though one of the best things, Tenchi Muyo, that came out was not the original series, which was actually, like, the, the magical... The first movie. Girl. Right. I think it was the Magical Girl TV series spinoff. That was... Actually, a pretty clever show.
0: Do You have to specify TV series there and not OAV series, because there are two things called Pretty simple.
2: Well, we should and, also know. probably specify that it's the first Magical Girl spinoff and not the more recent Yes,
1: one. That's, you have to specify that, because there's multiple Magical Girls spinoff TV series of uh, that show.
0: In the case of what we're talking about, maybe about a year or two ago at this point, we reviewed the OAV series Bobblegum Crisis.
1: And this is a series that is near and dear to the hearts of everybody on this podcast. As the series was coming out, actually as it was about nearing its end, it ended at about 1991. And in 1990, in order to, you know, keep the old bird going, they came out with a three-part OAV series called AD Police Files. This is not to be confused with a rather recent t- TV series just called AD Police.
0: Right. That was a.
2: That's the crap right? right?
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, we've, we're dealing with like, you know, the crisis on infinite earths here. Like, we've got like <laughs> the remake, Bobblegum Crisis 2040. That had its own set of spinoffs, one of which was the 80 Police TV series. And I think another one, Parasite, Parasite Dolls, Dolls. yeah. Kind I never of saw counted. Mm. Uh, but this one here, it's just called 80 Police Files. Yeah. Is a three part OAV spinoff to the original Bobblegum Crisis. And if you want to go like one more further, there is a manga called 80 Police, same name as that TV show, but this one is actually a tie into the original stuff because it came out in the the early 90s, pretty much concurrently with these OAVs yeah. that we are dealing with today.
1: Yeah, actually, um, the, uh, this series was based on, I don't know if this is actually the same manga. But it was based on a manga 80 Police 2500. But I, I don't believe that was ever released anywhere over here. But, we um,
0: did get a US release of the 80 Police manga that directly ties into the original Bubblegum Crisis OAVs. Viz okay. released it in 1994. Four, this was like back when Matt Thorne was still doing manga constantly, mm. like on a regular basis. It's pretty much got like a lot of the same staff as the original, uh, bubblegum crisis. I mean, it's, it's manga. One guy did the story. I think it was Toshimichi Suzuki, who was, uh, if you look, he's like one of those old time, um, Art
1: McASE guys. And okay. He did the original manga for this as well. So it might have been the same guy.
0: Right. He did this manga for 80 police. And so it features many of the same characters. And it takes place in the same setting as the 80 police uh, anime you're about to talk about, but it is not the same stories that are just animated. It's actually no. different stories yeah. in here.
1: An easy way to think of the 80 police files is, um, and this was I remember this is how it was advertised back when this came out in America, is a world without the night sabers. The night sabers that we know and we love from the original series are nowhere to be seen in this series. It's,
0: it's what it's supposed to be. It is literally meant to be a prequel. Yeah, It's a bubblegum crisis. It's not like it's in a different continuity or setting or anything like that. Uh, you can tell because of the year that it takes place. If you go back and listen to our bubblegum crisis review, it starts off in like 2030 or whatever the yeah. year that bubblegum crisis takes place. And in. this
1: takes place in 2027.
0: I guess if you go by Hurricane Lives, bubblegum crisis takes place in 2032. So about five years before is when 80 police is set
1: few years before the night sabers even are on the scene.
0: And if you remember the original Bubblegum Crisis and how we talked about the 80 police, the 80 police were really, really bad at their jobs. Like, they couldn't really stop the boomer crime, which is mm-hmm. to say, in the world of Bubblegum Crisis, the future, it's based off a of Blade Runner. There are robots that look like humans. You know, in this case, they're called boomers. Right. Every so often, boomers go crazy and start killing people. So it's up to a special set of the police called the 80 police. To save the day. And uh, the mortality rate for being a member of the 80 police is about 150% because Pretty sometimes much. they resurrect your body after you're dead so you can be killed again.
1: Yes. Do you know what they call the normal police in the world of 80 police? The normal police? Exactly. They call them the normal police. <laughs> it's
0: like in MD Geist, there's the regular <laughs> army. <laughs> in the original Baldwinum Crisis, I guess, Gerald, we've got like one semi-competent 80 police officer.
1: Yeah, Leon McNichols, and he is actually the only thing, well, him and his, you know, gay friend are the only thing character-wise that attaches 80 Police Files to the original Bubblegum Crisis series.
0: I was Um, unaware that Daly was even in 80 Police Files, the anime. He's
1: really, it's very short. He's just, like, next to Leon McNichols in, like, one scene. I don't even know if he even says anything.
0: Yeah, he probably doesn't even have a speaking role. In the manga... There is one additional tie-in as far as characters who carry over, and that's Brian J. Mason is in the manga as well. Yeah, the big bad guy. And the unnamed, stereotypical black police chief who's in charge of the 80 police is also in the manga.
1: There are three stories they are completely unrelated to each other. You could watch this in any order. There's not really a storyline that threads through these things. So I'll give a kind of a brief synopsis of all of them, and you'll see that there's kind of a theme running through all of them. The first one is uh called
0: There are multiple themes, but yeah, we can yes. say one theme technically.
1: Uh no, there's there's multiple ones. But uh the first one is called The Phantom Woman. You know this is going to be good because the very, very first thing you see is a woman with giant tits who's shot to death instantly.
0: Before the opening credits even.
1: And in like four minutes we see another like sex boomer jump out and then get her tits ripped off. Basically, uh this focuses on this industry of sex boomers, which um is actually talked about in what ep- Episode 8 or so of the original Bubblegum Crisis series. I am going
0: to say 5. Or
1: is it 5? Yeah, Moonlight I, it, was re- it was a really good episode, actually. I th- was that the one by Obari?
0: Yeah, the, Obari did two, but yeah. Um, the fifth one is the one where they introduce the sexeroids who escape yeah. from the moon and such. <laughs> the, the idea is, if you're going to build robots that look like people... This is Japan. The first thing you're going to use these robots for is for having sex with. We've already seen this, like, in the modern day, (laughs) you know, so we've got a couple more years before boomer technology is really there.
1: Thankfully, this was before Moe kicked in really big, so every one of these sex roids is a big, voluptuous woman instead of...
0: You're making it sound like they're fat chicks. No, they're just, like, (laughs) they're they're developed pubescently.
1: Yeah, there's this idea going around in that these sex boomers, sex roids are, are all going nuts. And uh, you find out, because these things are incredibly expensive to put together, their parts are recycled over and over and over again. Ew. Which is really disgusting when you think about it, <laughs> even when you don't think about it. It's thought that even though these things are just machines, there might be something going on with these things. They might be getting some sort of conscience that... Just being recycled constantly for sex is is kind of damaging these things on some sort of deep psychological level.:
2: What a concept.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of the basis for the first one. The second one is called the Ripper. Or I, I think th- the
0: Ripper might be like the ultimate Japan cartoon. Like if you were to think the term like not even Japanese animation, but like Jap tune, I think <laughs> the Ripper embodies all that that word implies
1: as it was called in Japan Zaripa. this is about this police girl who is part of the normal police i still can't believe that that's like the official name of them in <laughs> in this universe it's just normal police they are investigating this crime involving these prostitutes that are all Killed along this uh, subway loop called the Paradise Loop. All of these women have these really deep cuts to their abdomen and slashed across, and
0: they are ripped apart. Hence the name. You know, they suspect that the killer. They they deem him the Ripper. Yeah. Of course, you know these prostitutes. Like the first one we see is like twelve, I think fourteen, 14 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. They go out of their way to be like, I'm a fourteen year old prostitute. <laughs>
1: well, at the very least, and then they're they, eviscerated. At right. the very least, they make that seem weird. That she's right. fourteen. It's not as like, opposed
0: to I'm in a two year community
1: college. Yeah. She says, Yeah, I'm fourteen, what of it? It's at least acknowledged that this is kind of strange.
2: Right. But, also, um, uh it's pretty obviously a reference to Jack the Ripper, more so than just in general that they are ripped open.
0: Right. Oh yes. I mean, there's no like uh organs being mailed to the police and all <laughs> that, but similarly Jack the Ripper preyed on, you know, women of the night in a very specific area. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what they're going for here.
1: Yeah. It's originally believed that A boomer might be doing this, but this police girl doesn't think so. She believes that the idea of, like, stabbing a girl always in the abdomen and cutting across, this is an emotional crime. The person that's doing this has got some sort of emotional attachment to this, and that can't be a boomer. I'm not too sure how much further I should go into this.
0: This Well, Well, let's say what the third one's about so we can see if we can figure out what the recurring theme
1: is. Yes. The third one is called The Man Who Bites His Tongue. And it's the daily life of Norio Wakamoto, <laughs> like right? Before
0: be. he was, before he became the Christopher Walken of anime, <laughs> and decided to just roll his Rs like there was no tomorrow, he could still talk normally. Like this was like his Cyber City 08-0 time, mm-hmm. where he was still like, you know, some sort of deep voiced heavy, but he wasn't like, I don't even care anymore. I'm yeah. just gonna like screw it. But he's he's a guy. Who uh, Used to be is, a member of the 80 Police, but his name—his name
1: his is a—it's like, uh, such a Japanese name too. It's, or at least a Japanese name. Try, ja-
0: try and pronounce it.
1: it. It's Billy Fanword.
0: Fanword. It, <laughs> really? Like <laughs> yeah. this is like this, they were thinking about like what's an American sounding name? Okay, Billy. And then uh, an American sounding
1: you know. last name. Fanword. Fanword. Yes. <laughs> How many fanwords do we know? Oh,
2: Japan. Uh,
0: too many to count. But Billy Fanward is killed in the line of duty uh, as a police member. Well, basically, he's,
1: he's destroyed <laughs> beyond, like, almost anything that anyone has been destroyed. And so, this, um, But the
0: scientists decide they need him, because this is their take on RoboCop, I yeah, guess. Yeah, this is
1: the, well, yeah, very much RoboCop here. This is, we can rebuild him. It's actually this uh, project of this lady scientist who wants to use Billy as this token sort of check out what I did, check out how far I took the human body. So they basically turned Billy into Robocop, but you know how Robocop, at least, you know, if you take off the front mask, he's got, like, a face, and, you know, he's got his mouth and everything? Yeah,
0: even if it's, like, draped over, you know, what's mostly cybernetics at that point.
1: Well, Billy fan word goes even further beyond that. The only actual flesh that's left of him is uh, his tongue and his brain. If he gets shot, all that does is just registers a signal to his brain that says, hey, you got shot doesn't register pain. doesn't register anything else. It's just kind of a signal. And so the only way that he can actually feel anything at all is if he bites his tongue. Mm, Hence the name. Yes, the man who bites his tongue. This is thinking about how far do we go with this? What are the implications of turning ourselves into these sorts of machines?
0: Yeah, that's kind of the overarching theme of each of these stories is like the mechanization of humanity. Like, do you lose a portion of yourself... If you go the cybernetic route, like, you know, as you embrace technology, are you throwing away your humanity?
2: So sort of the common cyberpunk-ish.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, this is very much more cyberpunk as maybe people knew cyberpunk back in 1990. Right. Um, People
0: like generally agree nowadays, like, okay, the original Bubblegum Crisis O.A.V.s are not cyberpunk. They just take a lot of the visuals. The actual 80 Police Files O.A.V.s are a little closer to what we would think of as cyberpunk. They are a lot darker.
1: There's a lot of noir elements in it in that there's a very, very clear, throughout the entire series, distrust of women and everything Mm. that women are.
2: Do they have as much of the megacorporations nonsense as... Core bubblegum crisis did, because that's a pretty common cyberpunk
1: punk yes. element. Yes, there is. Um, yeah, Ganem is still
2: two. around, uh, you know, and yeah,
0: part two, a lot of it has to deal with, you know, the mega corporations and, mm-hmm. you know,
1: what it takes to
0: be a mega corporation superstar and, and all that.
1: there's that as well. And then there's also, like, the main character in part two, the police woman. She's got a pain in her eye. It's just like a pain that anybody would get. And rather than, you know, go to a doctor and, you get know, get some eye drops. Get some, some eye drops or something. The option that 90% of people take is just get your eye removed and get a cybernetic eye. Like, <laughs> right. Straight away. No. It's not even yeah, like... Yeah,
0: cut your eye out and get it replaced with a robot one. That's like step one. Right, yeah, right.
1: And she's like weird for not wanting to do this. As, as we are saying, a lot more traditional cyberpunk, I suppose, hardcore cyberpunk people, if there are any left, would probably argue that it's not.
0: It still owes a lot to 80s American action movies and like yes. just 80s American films in general. You know, one of the main recurring characters across all three of these, who unfortunately is never seen in any like subsequent works, other than that 80 police manga I talked about. Is the really in this awesome anime? Woman. Is Leon's training officer, you know, senior because in this Leon's a rookie, and so the the role of the experienced competent officer goes to a lady named Gina. Also, yeah, and she's she's neat. She's got like a, a robot arm, incredibly who, horny. Yeah, really, she always is having really sex horny. with like everybody because that's that's a thing. <laughs> But, like, there's this one part of the Eighty Police manga where they literally just do Die Hard again, only this time, (laughs) instead of Bruce Willis, it's Gina. And they think they can get away with it by the fact that Gina's like, wow, this is just like Die Hard. Oh,
2: okay, I see. (laughs) If (laughs) we're honest about our total ripoff, they won't get mad at us, maybe. Right,
0: they'll think it's, like, very
2: clever.
1: Well, it's like the opening to the original Bubblegum Crisis. Like, everybody in Japan who saw that knew that this was taking on streets of fire. But nobody in America knew that. I don't know. I guess it's maybe if the audience is just exposed. Well, how many people
2: this. in America even knew that Streets of Fire existed?
1: <laughs> that, that's what I mean. Right. That's what he oh, means. Okay. Whereas, you
0: know, no one here knew that it that it existed. It was big in Japan. Yeah. So people were knew able to spot over. it. I think the other thing yeah. that really like has 80 Police Files stand out as far as like not just Bulbogun Crisis, but other things of his time is how. Incredibly masochistic it is from every single step of the way. I, I remember in, in the previous Baldwin Crisis podcast, I just kept making the joke, like, I'm pretty sure every single episode of 80 Police involves someone saying, please shoot me so I can feel the sensation of the bullets tearing <laughs> through my body. Actually, I wrote and,
1: down most of those lines. I believe the uh, the first one is... Shoot these bullets into these breasts, rip my skin apart, splatter my organs all over the place. (laughs) I need to feel something. Um, Yeah, that's episode one. Yeah, that's episode one. Um, Episode two, I believe. Oh, episode two... Oh, oh my God! Is, it's so emo. Uh, I, I, w- I, I wish I could say what it is in episode two, but uh, I, I, I need to just it would, say this. Would it, would
0: n- it ruin the surprise?
1: And, uh, uh, well, th- there is a female in the show. For
0: shockingly, yes.
1: Yes. Bad things happen to her, and she's like. And at the very end, he like they, she goes down into like paradise loop. Right. This is the best.
0: This is the most Jap tune ending I can think of. Yes, like, and, in in history.
1: And she is just. Assaulted by everybody down there, and she's raped to death. And then the response to this was, "She died as a woman."
0: Right.
2: What? (laughs) Like, thanks, thanks, Japan. Really? (laughs) That's some like that's some Koike level (laughs) misogynist bullshit. There.
0: Listen, Koike is misanthropic. (laughs) He hates everybody who's not his main hero. But like, no, this character—it's not like an accidental thing. It's like she goes down with the express purpose of like, "Hey guys, rape me to death, please." It's not. It's not even like. You know, no, I need to be raped to death so I can, you know, feel the sensation of the dick tearing through my, you know, womb or whatever it is. Maybe she doesn't say this in words so much as deed. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's,
1: that she, she was specifically asking for that. And I'm not saying and that. And it's like, not like a Mike Tyson she was asking like. for it,
0: officer. <laughs> character goes out of their way, with, well, you know, now there's only one thing for me to do, and that's go on the train and be raped to death.
1: Yes. But the show is classy. The third, it doesn't, third, it doesn't you, actually show her. It just shows no, no, the it's, result. It's classy. Oh, thanks. It's classy. yeah, like
0: The third one is just a straight-up blow-my-brains-out. Yes. Know?
1: I want to shoot my tongue. I want to feel the bullets going through <laughs> <No>. my
0: tongue. <laughs> like, I'm not even exaggerating here, but that was, like, the deal. Like, 80 police files, that OEV was much more violent, had a lot more sexual content. Compared to the original Bubblegum Crisis, there's very little sex in that. Uh, If you see, there may be some instances of brief nudity. Yeah, that's about it. 80 Police Files is much more like dirty, just in general. Like The way they depict the future of Megatokyo, it looks a lot different than the Megatokyo of three years later. It's not like this bright neon kind of place. Everything is very drab very like uh, almost devoid of color in a lot of
1: ways yeah actually the the original designs also came from a guy named tony Takesaki, who
0: right i thought he was that porn guy you like but he has a different last name i was like how many japanese people are the name tony who draw like oh, <laughs> tony <laughs>
1: taka right oh, yeah. yeah that's what i
0: thought but tony Takesaki,
1: you know he's a good man or a horrible man because he wrote the original geno cyber manga <laughs> Right, so, right. That's, oh.
0: <laughs> like, the, the true greatness. Like, the cover of the 80 Police manga that Viz has, this woman in a bikini, like, fitness model looking, but she's got a robot arm. So I was like, is this Gina? It doesn't look like her. Tony Takazaki's art is very, very similar to what the anime looks like.
1: Yes, it's you- very close, actually. In fact, they've got, like, an advertisement for the manga on the DVD. Surprising, just how close they got it.
0: So yeah, super violent manga as well. I mean, Viz released it in one of their graphic novels. Shockingly enough, because that was a rarity back then to mm-hmm. get graphic novels. Did they release all, it all was... of it, or? Yeah, it, it's all of it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's not there's a lot. Only of it. A, yeah, there's only a few chapters worth. I think maybe they did um, five chapters, but like the last two chapters were each three parts. Mm-hmm. But like the actual book is only like maybe I don't know 140 pages long. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's the whole thing.
1: I guess we've, we've talked enough about it. I remember for a while that people really, really hated this a lot. I'm not too sure really why. Like, it almost got as much hate as Bubblegum Crash did.
0: It's I- because it doesn't directly affect the storyline of Bubblegum Crisis. It takes place before, and it is a little different in tone. There's not like um, there's not you know, Girls with crossover. Guns. Not very, very much. little.
1: And I think that this is also back when Bubblegum Crisis was the absolute shit, and what people wanted was more Nightsabers.
0: Right, and more Nightsabers. They didn't and get the, that. And the 80 Police weren't really the heroes in Bubblegum Crisis, so it's like, why are you giving us a thing all about the stupid 80 Police? Also, the music is totally different style mm. in the anime. Like, all the songs in the anime are in English. They're all by
2: Right, and the music was really big in Bubblegum Crisis, so if it wasn't similar music, I can see how a lot of fans probably were pissed off.
1: Yeah, the music in A D Police is actually not bad. It's done by this um sung by this uh, Filipino Filipino woman who um and but the Lou music Bonavie is yes. her name.
0: And she actually like after this, years later when they did the AD Police TV show, they got her back. ...to do the music for that. Oh, wow. So that might be, like, the only reason you'd consider, like, getting the 80 Police soundtrack... ...as opposed to watching the show for a music album. Right.
1: But it was actually pretty good music. I mean, it, it was very different. It was not pop. It was a lot more sullen sort of music. It fit the show. This is, again, part of it. It's, it's really something that you can take completely separately from Bubblegum Crisis. You wouldn't even have to know that Bubblegum Crisis exists... I guess for fans back then, that might have been a better thing if they didn't know Bubblegum Crisis exists.
0: They wouldn't have had a frame of reference to compare it to, to say, hey, God, this is so much gorier, this is so much, like, you know, more lurid, etc., yeah. etc."
1: I originally watched this back in the 90s on the Laserdisc. I still have that Laserdisc sitting around here. I liked it when I saw it in the 90s, and I still like it today. It is very lurid. It is, as you were saying, Daryl, it's really dark, but I actually like a lot of the stories that they have there. I kind of like the approach, even though the stories are all kind of focusing on sort of the same theme. It's kind of a different take on each theme.
0: I think the 80 Police Falls OAVs holds up very, very well. Maybe even better than the Bubblegum Crisis OAVs in some aspects, because those were like totally 80s. Whereas this is like, it's 80s in the sense that cyberpunk is 80s. But But like there's
1: no aerobics going on in it, so. Yeah,
0: no no leg warmers in like, you know, 80s fashion, as it were. I mean the characters are a little more standard cop drama kind of characters like you've got the tough lieutenant and uh, you know all that kind of stuff going on sergeant I guess the actual look of the city technology other than the fact that there are humanoid robots isn't that crazy as far as like okay this is so beyond feasibility that I'm taken out of it the writing of it again it's you don't see too much of this kind of thing anymore even back then, I mean, the 90s has this rap of being like, oh, wow, it's all the grim and gritty, mm-hmm. like, super violent, hyper-sexualized stuff. But even 80 Police Files felt like it was kind of a different thing, even back then.
1: Mm-hmm. Even darker than most, even, you know, more sexual than most, even. So. Yeah, and it's
0: not pornography, but no, I mean, you know, it- I was able to rent this when I was 15, no questions asked.
1: I mean, the sex scenes in it... They're not graphic. If I were to describe them, they would sound ridiculous. Like the scene <laughs> in The Man Who Bites His Tongue, the, sci- yeah, the lady yeah, well, scientist who is they in... They put
0: that in the trailer
1: like when, <laughs> when, when they cut it. It's like, the, well, the th- scene that was of, there. The, the scene of the lady scientist who is also incredibly horny.
0: Yeah, um, uh, they have to be. Cause, I'm sensing
2: know. a recurring theme here, but I'm not sure. Right, <laughs> a, a
0: commonality
2: thread.
1: Yeah, her her means of having sex with this you know robotic man is to lick his tongue and rub her panties on his iron leg. <laughs> yeah. Her,
0: her, her really, like, you know, like, victorious did she not, panties and did she not- garters and stockings and all that. Not a gynax show, but I mean, like, actual <laughs> mm-hmm. things that she wears right. underneath her prim and proper scientist, yes. you Wait, know, gear. D- did
2: she forget to give him a robot dick?
0: She couldn't have. His no. dick was blown off. I mean, I'm sure he's got, <laughs> like, a robot dick, but it wouldn't feel anything. It would just give you, like, a signal. Dicking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is feel no anything. good.
0: <laughs> But yeah, it's like, does she really need dicking, to... Ongoing, but how how is and that and, uh... any
2: better for him than her rubbing on his leg? I mean... She doesn't what, care. What's equivalent she, doesn't... Of... she doesn't care. But that's she... what I'm saying. Wait, Why didn't she give him a dick then?
0: I don't know. All I know is that it's completely unnecessary for her to strip down... <laughs> she could have added a vibrator to her... <laughs>
2: attachment, too.
0: She could have done something, <laughs> but it's like she's having sex with him in the lab. <laughs> like Where someone could conceivably walk in right. or whatever. I don't know. Well, it's, like... in his,
1: it's in his. his bedroom, which is... Really hilarious when I think about it, because it's basically, you know, the the bedroom that Bender has in Futurama?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a closet.
1: It's a closet. It just sits there. But it also tells us the truth about certain things, such as in The Ripper, we learn that women's periods, the periods come back to haunt them, and so they go nuts, they flip over tables, and then they have to masturbate themselves to calmness. this. What? Right. What? So.
0: This- They're just overcome with, like, you know, that time of the month. And it's like, no, I tried to... Pretend like it wasn't my period and, and just, it's just too much to bear. I gotta, you know, throw this table over like I'm Stu Levy and then frig myself.
1: (laughs) uh, We're, we're making this sound much more lurid than it actually is. No, we're not actually.
0: (laughs) No, I don't think we are. I think, I think this is a very accurate portrayal
1: of what goes on in this cartoon. That
0: women's period. You can buy the the entire thing on one DVD. I didn't pay like a huge crazy amount of money for it. But I understand, like these things that are starting to become hard to track down. They're starting to charge a lot of money for these things. I don't know if this is even still in print. Probably like Animego not. is continually losing the rights to lots and lots of things, such that it's just getting harder and harder to find their stuff. They do still list it on their site it's at least. It's their
1: seven, eight bucks. Eight, you can eight buy bucks. On eight there.
0: bucks on Animego.com. Yeah. It is worth eight dollars for all three episodes. Once again, and do stay away from the dub.
1: <laughs> I didn't even I watch know. the dub of it. I this was back in that era when anime when all released...
0: anime dubs, particularly animego dubs, yeah. were terrible. That was
1: before they hired um, Coastal Carolina. Coastal Studio Carolina, that who, set the who standard you know, for really, really good dubs. So. Right, and then
0: they went out of business, but like yeah. they didn't use them until Oh My Goddess, and this was <laughs> definitely before Oh My Goddess.
1: So yeah, 80 police files, eight bucks, you can get it worth every cent.
0: Uh, I think, you know, there's... (laughs) Right, right, exactly, you know, rip and tear, you know, that's them. I guess.
1: Bullets through my flesh, through my brain, through my tongues. I want to feel something.
0: Yeah, man, what a what a great cartoon. I mean, I, I'm actually curious to see like if this manga is like super expensive now. Like, it must be kind of hard to find.
1: I imagine I didn't even know it was do, released. Do, do,
0: okay, so you don't actually have a copy. No, of I it. don't. Have you ever
1: have you ever read it? <laughs> no, I haven't. It is
0: on Amazon, and there are two new for seven dollars and seventeen used for four dollars. So they oh, haven't wow. really done the. The comic shop guy markup on that.
1: Yeah, like the um, seven shojo series or stories. Yeah, which is, four shojo stories, four shoujo right? I know. Yeah. Crazy expensive. Don't even try. I want my They yeah. Were Eleven, damn it.
0: Surprised, like no one like t- made the ultimate sacrifice and bought short four shojo stories and then put it in the microwave to scan it for all humanity or humanity, if I was Martin Sheen. You can probably get that manga for about eight bucks after shipping. Like, keep in mind, it's going to be a fifteen-year-old copy. It's because I think Viz only did like one or one printing of this, if that. Yeah,
1: back before people actually bought manga, and manga was some weird thing. But that...
0: yeah, I mean, it's still like it reads left to right. All the uh, sound effects are retouched, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But I mean, it looks fine. Yeah, and since the artwork is so American style, you can kind of see like this would be the kind of thing that they would sell to comic book fans.
1: Well, I mean, who else back then bought manga but comic book fans? So. Right.
0: I mean, you can see, like, from the shading and stuff, it kind of actually reminds me of Crying Freeman and the like. Right.
1: Well, the character designs were very realistic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's it's worth it. You should pick it up. There's a guy who's got, um, if you read much Battle Angel Alita, one of the guys, because the other deal with 80 Police is like everyone's cybernetics aren't quite up to the level that they are in Bubblegum Crisis, so people look more robot. One guy's got, like, the, the Destinova Bato style, uh, yes. robot
1: eyes. Yes. I, I, Bato, came to mind as soon as I saw that guy. Absolutely.
0: I'm just imagining, like, what if Chirot was reading the 80 Police manga and was like, what if there was this and also girls?
1: Well, admittedly, this came out a year after Ghost in the Shell came out, since that was 1989.
0: Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting how old. Ghost
1: in the Shell is an old manga. It is from cyberpunk when cyberpunk was cyberpunk, if that means anything. But yeah, I guess uh, we've talked about as much about 80 Police as we can.
0: Oh, we were still recording? Okay, fine.
1: <laughs> I
0: thought it was like, oh, podcast ended. Time to talk about, you know, this comic book in front of me. So I guess that was informative, maybe. Yeah,
1: maybe. Well well now we're going to Dave and Joel territory of just BSing. So Except we're yeah, not as it, funny
2: as them. Oh no. No.
1: No, we won't be. But yes. Uh go ahead, pick it up. It's pretty cool. It's sexual and you learn to not trust women. Take that for what it is.
2: Isn't that the lesson of most anime? <laughs> No,
0: most anime, everything is like under the surface. This is very overt. Oh,
2: okay, I see.
1: Even the women in the show say it straight up. You can't trust a woman when she's aroused. <laughs> they do strange things. That's an actual Every line. Every time I
0: see somebody get killed, I need to have sex right this instant at the sight of blood. <laughs>
1: That's an actual line from the show. That's a line <laughs> in the first episode. <laughs>
0: any sense of humor no. whatsoever no. makes it better
1: review only.